The Puritan's Guide to Fall Songs Guide. From today on Fort Wet, just start modernity. Just in modernity. Tonight's song is. Leave the capital, uh, spelled O L, in case right. anybody's wondering. So uh, yeah, that's I'm from, searching for that right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's from Slates, uh, released 4-27-1981, uh, which was pretty close to my eighth birthday. What? Whoa, figure that one out. Yeah, you don't you don't have to. <laughs> anyway, um, I got a I got a pretty heady argument with our mutual friend about whether this could be considered an album or not. Oh. Because I, I, you know, I wrote something that maybe we can put in the notes of like ranking all of the Falls albums up to that point for this website. Oh, yeah. And I didn't. Include- we haven't put that. We haven't even put that. Yeah. Have we even said, have I even put I don't know if you mentioned that at all. Yeah. yeah. I but, know. but I, you know, I, I didn't include that one and he kind of gave me a lot of shit about it because he oh, figured really? that's a, a record. I'm like, but it's six songs. It's a six song 10 inch. I think you know? most people consider it an EP. Yeah. But they can, I think it gets considered. A big thing in Fall World because uh, I oh shit I'm gonna probably misspeak but I think that was the first thing where they had the double drummers right and also it's kind no not at that point okay yeah I think it was right after that that they started getting into that okay but it was it was definitely that part of that big run of holy shit Fall albums yeah so I think that's why it gets and, and it, it was, gets considered a big thing, but no, I don't. I guess if because it was on, you know, it was it landed on the singles charts, the, the indie singles charts. So that's why I figure it's like an, it's an EP, it's a single, but whatever. It's it's a, it's a minor thing that I'm getting into here. You know? It's a quibble, but I I can understand. Yeah, like I you know, but it is like it was one of their biggest in the trajectory of their career. It was one of their biggest statements as a band up to that point. Yeah. So yeah, I think so, and I think it's yeah. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Arthur uh, Mackin is what we're is how we're going to enter this song. So, right. uh, just quickly, I think um, I'll just I'll just get into Mr. Mackin. Or it could be, damn it, I think it's Mackin. I think you said that it was Mackin. Okay, because yeah. yeah. it's like button, and I know it's not Macon. <laughs> Because that's not. I thought it was Machen, so this is it probably could be really Machen, good. No, but yeah. I like I like Machen is good. Yeah, so yeah. tell no. me more about Ar- about Arthur Machen. Arthur Machen. Machen, <laughs> not Machen, because because it's not Machen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bacon. That's right. Yeah, that's a whole. <laughs> that's a whole childhood thing. I won't. Yeah, yeah let's not get into that. Long story. Uh, anyway. Arthur Jones was his real name. And uh, basically, Arthur uh, was from a family that was five generations of incredibly poor clergy. And then his dad lost whatever... He went bankrupt and lost whatever money they had. So he started going by Arthur Machen because that was his mom's name. And then that way he could inherit his mother's family's money. Uh, yeah. So, but he. Smart. Yeah, but he was also too poor to go to school. Okay. Um, so what he did was, um, he basically moved. He was Welsh, 
and uh, he moves to the big city to London to uh, work. Mm-hmm. Um, he really liked people like Dickens and uh, Charles Dickens, and he wanted to be a writer. And whenever he inherited some of that of his mother's family's money, mm-hmm. is when he started write was able to write basically instead of work. Um, so uh, so around that time is when most of his big sort of uh, short stories and novels come out. Um, and this is like the early 20th, or no, late 19th, early 20th century mm-hmm. is when his stories. Um, he's a writer of weird fiction, uh, basically what what is now known as horror fiction. Yeah, a lot of uh, supernatural Yeah, a lot stories. of supernatural elements, a lot of... Um, a lot of things that kind of so a lot of a lot of the stuff that happens within Machen's stories are kind of like uh, mythical. Mm-hmm. Um, the myths, the mythological elements, also work into strangely working class elements of everything. So everyone, everyone who's kind of close to the mythology, mythological elements of all these stories like the great god pan or whatever everyone who's close to the supernatural tends to be it's all part of dark dank bars and you know (laughs) blind alleyways and you know old roman you know amphitheaters and whales and stuff like that (laughs) wow like it's all the workers that are part of that um makin was also a huge Influence on not only H.P. Lovecraft, mm-hmm. which is a big Marky Smith, yeah, which is big Marky Smith thing, but yeah. also like Stephen King. So Stephen King oh, really likes him as well. So he's still big within um, the world of horror and weird fiction. And stuff so, yeah, like the that. way you're describing it uh, <clears throat> sounds to me because I haven't read any of his stuff. Honestly, uh, you right. know, I know I know of his name, you know, and I know a little bit. About his work, but the way you're describing it sounds a little close to uh, the Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell book that came out. Yeah, in tw- 2004. So I didn't read that, but I saw the the movie, the TV, TV series. series. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how close that is, but from but it's along the same lines. Yeah, yeah okay. and it's along the same lines of us talking about like folk horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like we did a few episodes back or something. <laughs> Can't remember <laughs> at this point. But no, so folk horror. It's kind of the same idea where it's like. Definitely of the people, yeah, and definitely more mythological and of the of the place. You know what I mean? Like so, so maybe a little closer, like Wicker Man style. Yeah, stuff. yeah. So, so like the mythology and the supernatural is based on whatever religion, paganism, okay. stuff that was happening in that area of you know the world. Um, okay. Yeah, so definitely a little more like Wicker Man in that ideal. Okay. Um, and in one of his stories, um, uh, I have it here, but since we're trying to hurry up, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. So in one of his stories, a, a an old Roman, it's not an amphitheater, but it's kind of a theater mm-hmm. in Wales. Does actually is part of the main story. So like that idea of the ancient history being the same as this history, which is strangely also like a William Faulkner esque idea sure. of like time conflating and collapsing on itself. So right. that's kind of where we're at. It's, right. it, it's like the modernist idea of that sort of thing. Um, almost, yeah, let's not get into that. 
Let's not get into modernism, postmodernism. <laughs> um, We've got plenty of time for that with Marky e. Smith and the Fall. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I could I could bullshit about it, but it's been a long time <laughs> since I was in grad school, and I fucking hated professors after I got out. So you know, I'm not gonna pretend I'm one. Um, anyway, so yeah, Mocking was like Welsh. Um, very much in, and, and also I mentioned H.P. Lovecraft, Stephen King, but yeah. also big influence on Mark. Um, let's see. Uh, he dealt in dark, almost psychedelic magic, uh, which is kind of what I brought up in his horror based on working class mythologies, right. and whales and that sort of stuff. Um, let me just check my notes real quick, uh, before we move on. Yeah. Okay. Mention folk, folk horror. Um, let's see. There's a few things. There, I have a few quotes from Mark on. Um, okay. Sorry. Rewind. All right. I have a few quotes from Mark on on Mocking. Okay. Um, so. Mark once said, uh, I used to be in the Mockin Society, which is like an appreciation society where you pay dues. So uh, <laughs> in, in Britain, uh, been a fan since I was 16. Uh, MR James is good, but Mocking's fucking brilliant. That's what Mark said. About Interesting. It. Yeah, he also said, uh, there's a Quietus article um, on Marky e. Smith and Mocking, which I was reading, and it's actually pretty good. I'll put that in the notes. Um, but, oh, I was looking that over as well. Yeah, yeah, it's actually pretty good. And I'm sorry, I can't remember who wrote it, but they it did was, a really uh, good job. Lee Arizuno. Okay, so yeah, they did a pretty great job on it. And there's also another thing about there's actually like a whole web page that is very long about Mark and Mocking. Yeah, I, I saw that one as well. Yeah. So yeah. Um, anyway, so Mark, another quote from Mark on magic, and. Uh, in walking stories is the real occults in the pubs of the East end, uh, in the stinking boats of the Thames, not in Egypt. It's on your doorstep basically. So that's what Mark said about these short stories, which is also touched upon, uh, in Mark Fisher's sort of four part or three part writing about like city hobgoblins and stuff like that. Right. That he did I remember that several yeah. years ago. Um, so there's, there's a bunch of other, sort of kind of confluences that I wrote down. Um, City Hobgoblins, which uh, is the first one I wrote down, which is basically like creatures mimicking those from Mocking's Whales, which is like, you know, short people, like short kind of elvy, like mythological creatures being there. And like that's within the song. Um, uh, There's the, the unutterable. Uh, album title. Yeah. Um, this was in that Quietus article, I think. But uh, this is a this is from the Great God Pan, uh, which is why we're getting into this. But we'll explain that in a second, or I'll explain it, I guess. Uh, the quote from uh, the the story of Great God Pan is: "I stood here and saw before me the unutterable, the unthinkable gulf that y- yawns profound between two worlds, the world of." matter and the world of spirit i saw the great empty deep stretch dim before me and in that instant a bridge of light leapt from the earth to the unknown shore and the abyss was spanned so that's a quote from this story wow uh but yeah most people think that's where mark got the unutterable from sure so and that totally makes sense um and then the other thing the other two things that were mentioned were uh the grotesque uh, 
alter ego of Mark, which is how they put it, which is the Roman total. I still haven't figured out <laughs> how to say that. So Mr. Roman total slash total, the, uh, what is it, 17th? Um, because he's a grotesque figure, has like, what is it, the arms on the on his back and yes, shit like that. That's so, right. So that's, a, that's kind of like a mocking sort of thing. And then the dragnet, uh, apparently the credits, which I had never even paid attention to, um, Claim the recording was an experiment in the remote Welsh mountains, which is pretty hilarious. <laughs> totally, totally makes sense for that album. Yeah. So that, that, that was pretty great. Um, so basically, we're bringing up Machin because um, he's kind of the the reason this song exists. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, leave the capital in 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 some ways. So there's lots of little hints about Arthur Machin throughout this song. One of them being uh, the line, I laughed at the great God Pan. So this is from a, the story, The Great God Pan, um, which was written by Machen. It was kind of his first big novel. It started off as a short story. He turned it into a novel. Right. Um, it was also kind of, it wasn't really banned, but a lot of people thought it was a very dirty sort of novel because it... Because it's even though it seems very tame now, basically it was covering things like sort of a guy who gets a girl, a very young girl pregnant, and then does sort of medical experiments on her. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah, so there's lots of, lots of kind of fucked up things like that. And it's never actually said. It's just kind of hinted at a lot, as most of these stories from that time period do. Okay. Because... If you did say it out loud, it would have never been printed, basically, you know, yeah. or probably wouldn't have been. So there's lots of weird stuff like that. And okay. there's lots of stuff like where a kid's out in the woods and sees a naked woman out in the woods that turns into the god Pan and then back to a woman or, you know, like little things like that. So it was kind of viewed as a, a racy novel at the time. I like this quote from the Manchester Guardian called it the most acutely and intentionally disagreeable book yet seen in English. <laughs> that was the one I was thinking of. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Yeah, no, that that's the quote that's really great. I'd forgotten about that. But, um... So so yeah, there was there was lots of stuff like that, but it became kind of a bestseller, mm-hmm. and this is during the time where it, the only money he had he had inherited, and you know so it was kind of it kind of helped him out. Yeah. Um, and then the, one of the other things that uh, is talked about that is kind of mentioned within the song is that Pan resides in uh, in Welsh Green Masquerades, which is another Machen sort of thing, because Machen was from Wales, right. and lots of stuff uh, takes place. Um, Such a great line. Yeah, and so the other thing that is kind of this weird throwaway thing in the song that you would only know if you knew anything about Machen was that... Um, there was a mention of music teachers, and I live with cancer death wife. Um, yeah. So that Machen's first wife was a music teacher, and mm-hmm. she died from cancer. So that's basically what that whole thing's about. <laughs> it's just like weird, you know, like Mark had read that fact or something and just threw it in there. Yeah. You know. Um, and so there are just all these little hints to to, to Machen, basically, in, in the story. Um the Roman shell that you, you know... Yeah, he does mention that with. in the lyric. Yeah, leave the capital, exit this Roman shell. So the Roman shell is from the other mocking story that mm-hmm. I brought about, is, or talked about, is that um, 
and I have it written in my notes, so I just forgot it. But anyway, so <laughs> because because part of the story takes place in this ancient Roman shell in Wales, like that's a, sort of another hint towards that. Yeah. Um, but it's he's such a fascinating lyricist in that he he works all this stuff in, and then it's like also working in just little details about you know himself and his and the you know the fall in there too because like the first you know. Uh, it's like the second line of the song is showbiz wines minute detail, which he's, you yeah. know, making fun of Grant Showbiz, who is the <laughs> producer of the record, you know? Exactly. So there's all this great stuff, like, because Mark, the, yeah, because Mark is always working on three different levels yeah. of some sort, um, that's why me even bringing up Arthur Mack and, like, it doesn't fucking matter because, like, other parts of the song have nothing to do with that, but he's throwing those things in just because he can't. And, yeah. And so a lot of this song is, like, because he hates Londoners, or at least part of his... Part of his <laughs> That's what a lot of it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. part of his whatever, the Marky Smithness of Marky Smith... <laughs> Hates London and yeah. like and and students and all that kind of shit. Yeah, and you know, music writers. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so like half of this is like, like I there was some I might it was probably on annotated fall. Um, mm-hmm. That's our shout out for this episode. Shout out. Um, it was something about the fact that it's spelled capital O L because capital O L also means like your brain or your head or how you're living. Yeah. So leaving the capital puts in you in mind of London. But Mark wants you to leave the whole idea of living in London mm-hmm. or the whole London ideal, sort of. Which is also another thing that goes back to Mac. And so, you know. True. Because he lived there. I can't remember if he went back. He probably did because he ran out of money at some point. Okay. So, um so it's yeah that's what i get for studying for a week and then three weeks passing yeah um but it's also like you know uh it also works into you know mark's interest in just you know drink and drugs as well and there's getting getting out of your head head. yeah and the whole idea of a false song and psychedelic magic with a k exactly that was a huge part of all these songs and all of his lyrics well until he died, basically, but yeah. definitely, <laughs> definitely part of the early stuff. Yeah. Um, so um, before I get okay, so before I get into the second thing, I want to just look over my notes real sure. quick. Um, yeah. So Roman Shell, the amphitheater in Wales. Hmm. Oh, I did want to say. So I read. A few things because I had I had heard mocking and Melissa had actually told me that Great God Pan was one of her favorite stories like a long time ago. Oh wow! But I never read it, and so when this idea came up, I, w- I figured I'd read it. And it's a pretty quick read, but the thing that I thought was interesting about at least the writing of it was that um, so it was a short story, and then he kind of expanded it into a sort of novel. Mm-hmm. But the way it happens is that you go into different chapters as if it's a different situation. And it might be one person from this other, the last chapter gets mentioned at some point in the chapter, but you, it enters as 
a whole different situation, a whole different place. You know, you don't really know exactly where you are. And it just kind of switches back and forth. And I thought of that as being really interesting. Um, I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a trope of novels from that period too. Okay. It's just kind of where things kind of you're dropped in the middle of things. And you're just like, what the hell is going on? And it makes sense as you go along through yeah, the yeah, novel. Yeah. Whereas novels basically like are pretty linear now. Mm-hmm. Like this is more like catching a bunch of different short stories or the mind of a poet <laughs> within a novel or something. <laughs> right. Uh, but I think that related really quickly to me as to how Marky Smith's songs and his lyrics happen. Oh, absolutely. So his lyrics are always jumping around, always moving back and forth between things. And it's always just, you don't know exactly where you are and yeah. you have to take, go it back and take it as a whole to kind of get there. Yeah. He's really, he was really disinterested in linear lyrics that really made a lot of sense on the surface, even though he listened to a lot of songs that did and liked a lot of the songs. You listen to the songs that they covered over the years between like, you know, you know, F old and money or, uh, or uh, (laughs) white lightning or something like that. And, you know, he appreciates those songs, but I think he knew for himself that that wouldn't work for him the way that his brain worked. And so, and I think that's what gets into the idea of how much he loved the repetitive sound that the band made for right. a long time because it was just like you're just going to keep driving this one idea home musically but I'm just going to go everywhere else right and you can either follow along or don't I don't give a fuck yeah exactly <laughs> and I think also that's why he like I'm guessing that's why he like can a lot yeah exactly you know, uh, because they definitely do that I mean they're definitely made of monotony and you know repetition <laughs> <laughs> the three R's yeah and uh, while they're the lyricist at some point, as well, especially like Dama Suzuki, is mm-hmm. very famous for like being kind of shattered imagery yeah. rather than uh, actual sort of linear things. Even Malcolm uh, Mooney um, was that way too. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think that you know I think that's definitely like a sort of forefather or foregroup for. Uh, the fall but absolutely yeah i just because i'm reading that new book <laughs> that, that came up so um anyway uh the one one thing i did want to bring up again uh because we were talking about this was the whole uh the line i laughed at the great god pan is and mark fisher found this mm-hmm. was actually from a jack kirby comic from like the 40s i think yeah um where was it Oh, damn it. I thought I wrote, wrote down the actual... Um, oh, it was published in, it was published in the 62. Actually. Oh, 62. Okay, so yeah, I thought yeah. it was from earlier than that. Okay. No, so the, um, it's actually called... It's a story in a Jack Kirby... Or in a comic book that Jack Kirby wrote and illustrated uh, called I Laughed at the Great God Pan. Mm-hmm. And, and the storyline apparently is basically this guy's on a date at a museum and he sees a Great God Pan and makes fun of the Great God Pan and the the uh, security guard at the museum says, ah, you shouldn't make fun of the Great God Pan. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, or whatever. And uh, so the man and his date leave. Um, and then later the woman like sees the man and asks why his hair has fallen out and it's because all his hair has fallen out and the man ruminates but doesn't tell the woman about the fact that when they were leaving the museum he looked back and looked at the security guard and noticed uh the guard had cloven hooves because the guard was pan all along Whoa! Yeah! 
what? <laughs> exactly. So, which is fucking genius. Like, so he he was able to work in, and who knows that that was where he got it. But it wouldn't surprise I'm me because I'm looking at you know the the K Punk website, Mark Fisher's yeah. thing, and there was a comment someone left about. Uh, about this this post that he had put up, including a page from that comic, and he said that I served Marky e. Smith in a comic shop once, a few mighty Thors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that makes sense to me. I don't know. I, it makes sense to me that Marky e. Smith being a comic. I would guy. I would lay money on the fact that he read comics. Like, oh yeah. I don't know for sure, but we're gonna get into that a little bit on the next episode yeah. whenever we get around to it. But <laughs> but I did just want to bring up the whole Jack Kirby comics thing. Yeah. And, I think that worked out, you know, like we were saying, may or may not be actually what he meant, but it's there and he definitely got into this stuff and yeah. talked about it. And so, yeah, it's but even if it, some yeah. level, there's some level to it. There. Even if he did like pick it apart, he would probably take the, like the contrary view. Like, no, I didn't mean that at all. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> He'd never tell anyone. Yeah. That's the point. And that's yeah. why. There's websites in this podcast and <laughs> arguments. That's why everyone's digging it amongst this. middle-aged men <laughs> and and women, but yeah. probably mostly, mostly men. men. Sorry, sorry, uh, ladies. Yeah, but uh, so anyway, there you go. There's uh, you know, leave the capital. Leave the capital. I almost called Great God Pan, but yeah, it's not. <laughs>